Welcome to another David McCracken Ministries podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Now I don't have to worry about doing the resources because there isn't any, and that's good. They were samples. There, there isn't actually any out there. <laughs> no, the, no, yeah, well, I'll tell you about that afterwards. The, the, um, they, we didn't bring the books with us because, uh, well, I don't know, we just didn't bring the books. Uh, um, but we brought a couple of samples that we're going to give away, so you've just done it for us. Uh, um, and uh, they are available online. You can, you can get them sent to you, a hard copy, or you can just get them for next to nothing as an e-book. Um, and uh, they really have uh, touched a lot of people. Um, and Margaret's book, Bulletproof Your Marriage, is actually outselling any book that we've ever written. Uh, it's just gone ballistic. And I think it's because uh, so much of what she's written is not just for marriage, but actually the principles are for all of life. And very real, very gutsy, uh, and uh, she doesn't know how to make it uh, vague. It's it's real, um, and so um, I recommend that to you. And then the book you did what? Well, Margaret actually. Now tonight, I'm not even going to look at the clock, right? Um, but to, to, we we were we wrote, I wrote this book, and. Someone says, why don't you do an autobiography? I says, no, I'm not slightest bit interested. And then the Lord spoke to me and said, but what about all the crazy things that I took you into to teach you something about myself? Wow. And that became a part of my life message that I carry. And so he showed me right back to when I was a kid and all sorts of crazy stuff when I should have been dead a half a dozen times over. And, and suddenly I realized he wanted the story told. And so it's as funny as, and but it's got some very, very exciting breakthrough miracles. And you know what? My father loves being miraculous. But we, we very seldom give him the opportunity. Do you know, it's a crazy thing. Oh, by the way, sorry. If you're waiting for me to start, I already have. It's... Uh, um, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, um, but... It, it bewilders me that, that we, we, we talk about miracles, we, we preach about it, we, we get excited about the miraculous, and then we work as hard as we possibly can to make sure we're never in the position where we'll need one. Have you ever thought about it? Uh, 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 miracles are for people that need miracles now even us Irish can figure that out uh, uh, you see everybody have I said to you here tonight how many of you want to walk on water just once in your life yeah you look at San Diego water 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 yeah how, sorry you bunch of chickens how many uh, okay so so that's you see that's never been the question everybody wants to walk on water but as I said us Irish are smart we figured it out you cannot walk on water while you're still in the boat. You see, everybody wants to, though. 
Everybody wants the miraculous testimony, but not too many want to get where the miraculous testimony is necessary. And I believe what one of the things that God is going to bring, and I said this this morning and last night in different ways, but I believe that one of the hallmarks, one of the distinctives on the life of this church moving forward in the decades to come will be the miraculous. And I, I said a lot about that this morning, but I believe that God wants a people who demonstrate in their everyday life who he really is. And if, if we're going to really truly represent him as he really is, then we have to be a, a supernatural people living a supernatural life representing a supernatural Christ. And so... The supernatural has got to be a part of who we are in everyday life. So that's what that book's all about. Um, you did what? It's just crazy stuff. Um, an incorruptible heart. Uh, Pastor Leanne leaned over and she said she's already started reading it. She's several pages into it. And you hate the thing, right? Oh, you don't. You love it. Okay. Um, but you happen to mention Mike Kai. And uh, Mike was preaching in, in Melbourne, and he got a copy of that book. Uh, well, actually, I gave it to him. <laughs> I slipped it on his seat when he wasn't looking. Um, and he, he took it home, and he started reading it on the plane. And it so affected him that next thing you know, he, he orders 20 copies to take his leadership team through. And the effect was such that he then ordered 200 copies to take all the leaders in the church through. And then he started talking to other pastors about it. And we started getting orders. We got one order for 250 from this church and 100. And the thing's gone ballistic because we came to the conclusion that prevention's actually better than cure. And why should we put out fires and worry about contention or disloyalty or disgruntledness or criticism or just, if you can just prevent it all by, by talking about the real issues up front? And so um, if God's got your heart, he's got all of you. And I had better pray or I'm going to ramble all night. Father, we love you. Father, we do. We love you of all our hearts. You're amazing. You're wonderful. And it just staggers us that you could love us as much as you do. And uh, Father, tonight we only have one thing. We want to honor you. We want to, uh, Father, give you every opportunity now by the Holy Spirit to reveal your heartbeat to us, not only collectively as a church, but Father, to every person in this room tonight. Father, you love every person in this room tonight, indescribably. And I pray they will know that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, uh, I sometimes glance up and down the front row just to see if the Lord wants me to prophesy over somebody. And I realize I prophesied over just about everybody in the front row. Um, sometime over a meal or in a corridor or something. Uh, um, but, you know, Isaac... I didn't know who you were at the time. It was just you were the, the slightly... The dominant factor standing right in front of me, um, and I and and uh, I was hoping you wouldn't step back too far on me. And as I glanced down at one occasion and I saw your shoes, and I said, "Father, what is this?" Because when I looked at your shoes, they changed, um, and um, I realized they were army boots. And I said, "Lord, what is this?" 
And the Lord is taking you into a, a season of intense training um, because of you can man, manage your own life well, but he wants you to manage the lives of others. And for that, there's got to be some pretty strategic kind of training in, in areas that later on will become very significant. So be prepared for all of that. Okay? Praise the Lord. Um, now, there's a couple back here. Um, yeah, I'm... Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, um, I, I glanced at you and... I saw, I, I see everything by way of pictures, by the way. So, um, uh, and I saw you looking, I saw you looking at this old car. Um, they call them cars here, automobile, car. The car's a car? Yeah, okay. Uh, and, and it was like it'd been out in the sun too long, it was blistered, it was, uh, it, it, it had not, it didn't look too good, right? Worn out sort of thing. Um, I saw you getting this unrealistic desire to reclaim it and to restore it and that it would become something of great value. And, and that's exactly what you did. I said, Lord, what's all that about? And it's actually two things. It's actually in the natural over the next few years, in the natural, God's going to give you capacity to see things that can be restored. Sim simple that. And there's going to be, you know, tangible value to that. Um, but there's human lives. You two are going to be used to reclaim lives that have been burnt and bashed around by life. And, and, and I can see you because there's like an initial response from you, my brother, in as much as, oh, God, we've got to help them. God, we've got to see them restored. But, and I don't know, don't know you at all, but for some reason I see, what's your name instead of? Tessa. 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 Charles. Charles. What's him? Charles. Charlie. Charles, Charles and Tessa. All right, now I got it. Um, but but for Tessa, I, I just saw you actually putting bones and strategy to his desire. He, he, he got this desire, look, we've got to do something for him. We've got to do something about him. And it's like you went into gear and you said, well, then, then you know, there's a process involved in this and you're putting bones to it. But together, you're going to reclaim lives. Uh, it's really good. It's really good. Um, now, I, I know that the clock ticks, so, um, and now I know I've got another meeting. <laughs> oh, did you get the importance of that statement? Now I know I've got another meeting. <laughs> uh, um, and so I'll find out about that after this meeting as to what the nature of that meeting will be. Uh, um, and uh, that, that's exciting. Um, so we'll see you again Tuesday night. Um, I must admit that a few years ago, if someone has decided they wanted another meeting or something, I might well testify, I ought to go on into the mode of, oh God, oh God, now I've got to prepare. Now I've got to prepare. Oh Lord, what do I do? What do I do? 
But you know what? Once you, once you lean back and just realize nothing takes Father by surprise, and this is not all about who can preach best. It's all about who can listen. And, and it's, you see, when you, walk, when you walk in the garden, you're never at a loss on the front line. But when we neglect the garden, we're insecure on the front line. You see, the, it's the level and the depth of our intimacy with our Father's heart that determines the degree to which he can use us in everyday life. Um, now, how many were not here this morning? Ooh, quite a bunch, quite a bunch. Okay, well, and I'm going to quickly rattle through the eight uh, prophetic statements for this church, C3. Um, I won't dwell too long on them. And then I'm going to take one of them and uh, speak on that in particular tonight because it's got a, a, a very, very vital relevance uh, to the next 12 months or so. All right. Now, the eight things that I saw um, that Father showed me uh, was, one, that this was the birthing of a new era in 2017, and I'm going to unflesh that tonight. I'm going to unpack that tonight. I'm going to tell you what I mean by that tonight. Uh, number two was that you had to position yourself for global impact, and I saw new territories, new uh, discovery. Uh, I saw that there was, in the next three-year period in particular, for some reason, there was going to come nations of the world. And uh, I, I felt the Lord just say, position yourself to be able to respond to the cry of nations. And I saw uh, strategy sessions with maps and prayer and God giving uh, direction concerning nations. The third thing I saw was that you would take courageous new steps um, to embrace a, a paradigm shift in leadership. Um, uh, that would model the friendship factor that Jesus had with his disciples, but also involved this revelation of fatherhood in it as well. And that uh, others looking on would initially uh, criticize it, not in a harsh way, but they would say things like, you can't have leadership like that. That's going to leave you too vulnerable. You're being too open. You're being too transparent. Well, how, how? You can't do this. That's being vulnerable. Um, but the very same people were coming to you uh, three and four years later and saying, we've seen the fruit. How can you help us? How do we do this? And you were helping them make the same transition. Okay. The fourth thing that I saw was a new step of faith to do with um, property and locality. And I saw that uh, it would take an enormous step of faith because the locality that God showed you would be a particularly hard one. It would not be a logical choice for a church or a campus or anything like that. And the only reason why you were able to embrace it by faith was because you have this conviction, the conviction that the kingdom culture that you carried was far greater than the darkness of culture into which it was going. And so because you carry that as part of your heart and DNA, you are able to actually visualize this dark hardened area springing into life because of the planting of an invasion of God's kingdom culture. 
Okay, the, four, the fifth thing I saw was, and I'm being a little, I'm hurrying my way through it only because uh, I did it all this morning, but I, I don't want anybody else to lose out on it tonight before I preach. Number five, I see an intentional discipleship program. Now, um, what was different about this discipleship program was the wording that God gave me. It was um, discovering and empowering a new generation of Joshua leadership. And for some reason, that phrase, Joshua leadership, was important. And these would be young men and women who would, who would be trained to understand that their courage and their success on the front line was to do with their intimacy in the garden rather than the prowess of their gift. And not that, um, obviously they're gifted, but they have discovered that the power actually is in the intimacy. Um, and I saw these young men and women becoming trailblazers. Uh, that was the phrase I got, and I'll explain that a little bit more later as well. Number six, and this was to do with the C3, Pastor Jurgen, it was to do with the C3 churches throughout America. I saw the Lord gave me a very vivid picture of uh, C3 churches in America, uh, just all over the place. And then as I was praying over that, I saw the church change, the picture changed until the church became the hub of a wheel with many spokes. And I said, okay, well, what's this? And he's saying that he's going to cause uh, the C3 churches to think not as local churches, but as hubs uh, with a great intentionality to be planting others and campuses. So each church becomes a hub for, for, for that program. And what I saw taking place was the best way I can describe it would be a, a retreat taking place, some sort of a retreat taking place where, where all the senior guys were getting together and they were waiting on God, they were listening to his voice and he was birthing these amazing whispers of heaven into them which became strategies which then as they came back to their own localities suddenly this spoke thing started to happen and uh, so the best way I could describe that gathering that I saw was like a it was like an upper room experience. It was like a Holy Ghost encounter time, but out of it, the strategies of heaven were being born. Number seven, I saw this church reaching out. Sorry, I'm dumping it all on you like this, but yeah, I, I dump it on him, then run out the door and he's left with it. But um, I, I, I then saw uh, this church reaching out to other churches and Christian communities within this city. And the way the Lord drew my attention to it was I saw this church, C3 San Diego, and it was a blaze of color. I saw it in the terms of color. And then I saw other Christian communities that were gray. And I felt the Lord say that they, these were groups that were, were godly people, sound in their theology, but they lacked joy, they lacked vitality, they, they lacked enthusiasm, they lacked the Holy Spirit, they lacked grace, that vibrancy of God. And I saw you exporting it from here to here. And I, and I saw that one by one, there was like a hunger for the color. And so I believe that over time, God will give you such a selfless heart toward them that it will build a credibility of your apostolic grace within the city. Okay. Um, 
Now, I went on from that this morning to say uh, the amplified version, you can get it uh, from this morning, as to the degrees of the supernatural that I saw breaking out in different people and groups within the congregation. I won't go into all of that. Right now, I want you to stand quickly and say to somebody, you're the best thing I've seen all day. Okay. Now some of you are going to have to repent because it wasn't your wife that you said it to. Okay. Now. The first point and the original point that, you know, the Father just breathed into my heart when Pastor Jurgen first asked me to come here. I said, and I, I didn't mean to be arrogant in saying this. I just, but I guess I'm too old now to go for good meetings. I've given up having good meetings. I, I really don't want to go anywhere unless Father's got it on his agenda. And if he has got it on his agenda, there's a jolly good reason. And so, Father, I said, what is the primary reason for me going? And as quick as anything, he said, well, because 2017 for them is the beginning of a new era. And it was the way that he said it. And so I want to tell you what that actually means. You see, if you look in the dictionary, you'll find that a new era, the word era, uh, says a period of time marked by distinctive character or events. Another one says a date or an event or season or moment forming the beginning of a distinctive period. In other words, when they, found, when they discovered steam for power, that was the beginning of a new era. Why? Because everything changed after that. Uh, and then if you take a look at the Romans, the Romans decided to build a city. Now, it was only one city. There's only one city. And so it can be deceptive because sometimes you start out doing this and it ends up being that. And the Romans said, well, well, we're just going to build ourselves a city. But when they built that city, they built a culture with the city that then was in conquest around the world. They conquered the entire known world from that one city and nothing was ever the same again. And that was the beginning of an era. 1914 marked the beginning of an era. Why? The First World War. Nothing was ever quite the same again after that. If I was to mention the, the phrase uh, 9-11, would anybody know what I meant? Yeah, everybody know. Well, why? Well, because it marked the beginning of an era. A terrorism awareness just shifted gear. That Nothing's been quite the same again after that. And so what I'm saying to you about this coming year, well, the year that we're now in for C3, is not that it's a new day, not that it's a new chapter, not that it's a new season. It's a new era. It's distinctively different because 10 years and 15 and 20 years from now, you will look back on 2017 and say, you know what? That's when it shifted. That's when it changed. It was the, it, that was the birthing of our new 
era. And you see, friends, it's time to go to a whole new level in our thinking, in our personal life, in your marriage, in your vocation, in your business, in your occupation, in your ministry. It's time to go to an entirely different level. And you know what? When it comes time for that, God will stir the nest. God will stir your heart. I'm not talking about something negative. It's not lack of gratitude, but it is hunger. It's a hunger for more. And I believe God's been doing something of that. And so I'm just wondering as we ease our way into it right now, do you anticipate, do you anticipate, do you live in anticipation of the greatness of God breaking through, his favour? You see, if he's your father, then he's going to cause you to walk in his favour. And so as we lean into that, I just want to talk about uh, very briefly, but um, no, not that briefly, be honest. It's not really brief at all. Um, but th- there's, some, there's some very key vital things that are necessary if you are going to embrace your new era. And I just want to mention a few of these because as the Lord dropped them in, I felt, well, there's going to come a time this year when that point will be relevant. Oops, that time when that point will be relevant and it will be click, oh, this is that, you know, that kind of thing. And so the number one was um, what's involved in birthing a new era. Here's number one, a willingness and a desire for change. It sounds simple, but what old things are you willing to discard? And what new things are you willing to embrace? You see, I said this morning that that prophecy is not what will happen, it's what God intends to happen. And so there has to be a letting go in order to embrace. Uh, There has to be a a time when we hear the new and the fresh whispers of heaven. And can I say this to you, you'll never birth anything eternal if you haven't first done your listening. Do you know that the whole... uh, uh, Fulfilling the destiny and call in your life is not complicated. It's not rocket science. It's incredibly simple. It's just hear and obey. Hear and obey. Pay the price to hear his voice and have the courage to do what he says without mucking it up with a whole lot of logic and good sound reasoning. You simply listen, listen. And whatever he says, you just go ahead and you do it. Okay, but that tells me that we have to plan time for listening. It's amazing how many people plan their diaries and they've got time for this and time for that and time for this and time for that. But friends, listen to me. If the only thing that ever will be eternal in my life, it will come out of what I have heard in the garden, then surely the most important thing I do on planet Earth is get in the garden with my father and listen. I send prophetic words all over the globe. This uh, apostolic leaders all over the globe that will get a call from me and so say, "I've been," and they and when I give them this word and, and they tell me what it means and what it impact has had and that sort of thing, I, some of them I know, I know. Some of them are thinking, "Ooh, <laughs> he must have been on his knees in his office agonizing for us." 
Not really, no. Um, uh, actually, m- most of the time I get these prophetic words, I'm, I'm, I'm walking up amongst the gum trees with the kangaroos. Um, I've got this track up there amongst the gums and the kangaroos, and it's just me and Father, and we're chatting and we're talking, and I'm pointing stuff out to him. Uh, look at that parrot. Do you, do you realize? Look at the color. And he says, what are you talking about? I created the thing. Well, I know that. But, you know, and we're talking. We're hanging out. We're having some time together. And then he'll say to me, you know what? Uh, and he'll put someone in my mind. I said, yeah, I know who he is. Okay, can you pass this on to him for us? Can you just tell him this? And I just drop it down on the phone, send it to him. And I know they got this vision of me crying into the carpet for him, but it, it's, it's not true. Uh, um, but, but I am very, very, very intentional about positioning myself to listen okay number one a willingness and a a passionate desire for change and at this rate we should be out by three o'clock in the morning number two number two a willingness to let go unresolved issues Um, because I've got news for you you're not going to get them all resolved and if you want the justice on all the issues, if you want a, 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 a resolved conclusion to everything, you're going to be anchored to that for the rest of your life. Sometimes you just got to cut it loose and say, okay, it never got resolved. It wasn't justice. It wasn't right. But I've taken it to Calvary. I've left it there. And now, Father, I'm embracing a new day. Number three, a desire to possess new territory. You've got to actually have a desire for that. Father, Father won't give you new territory if you don't desire it. I'm comfortable where I am, Lord. I've got a decent income. I've got a nice house. I'm doing fine. You know what? I'm pretty good as I am. Well, that's fine because my God will just leave you exactly where you are. But if you have a hunger... If you have a hunger inside of you, a desire for new territory, then my Father's going to start showing you some new territory. He responds to hunger. My God responds to hunger. Number four is a desire for a new wineskin with increased capacity. You cannot put 10 liters of wine into a wineskin that's designed for five liters. It just isn't going to happen. You can stretch it, you can stretch it, you can use it, and you can multiply the number of times you use it, but sooner or later, you're going to have to come to the conclusion that structures, leadership uh, patterns, perceptions, uh, uh, localities, thinking, you've got to allow for the explosion that God is intending to take. God's not in the uh, addition business. He's in acceleration and multiplication. And so we have to allow for that in our thinking. Number five is very, very important. And it's the word conquest. Conquest. It's an attitude. It's a mindset. It's the spirit of the bold pioneer. Uh, It's just I'm never, never sad. I'm grateful. I'm incredibly grateful for everything my father has done for me but I am not satisfied. And I will never be satisfied, and he knows that, because I know that until I have fulfilled everything that he put me on this planet to do, that I'll always be hungry. I'll always be hungry, because I want new frontiers. Okay. 
Number six, embracing new, embracing new vision, new strategy, new people. And listen to this one, new alliances. And uh, linger on that one for a moment. New alliances. It's like when I wrote it down, I then came back to it. Then I underscored it a few times. And like Father was really trying to say something. And there's some new alliances coming up. And alliances that will be proved to be vital in you fulfilling, Pastor Jürgen and your team, will be vital in the bringing to pass of the greater global apostolic initiatives that God puts in your heart. And so be open for new alliances, that alliances that will not restrict God's intention for tomorrow, for tomorrow, tomorrow. Number seven, the passion to pursue. The passion to pursue the objective with unstoppable momentum and deep resolve. Friends, unless you're willing to follow through, best not start. Uh, you suddenly issue that once you cross the line, there's no turning back. It's abandonment to that which God's asked you to do. Now, all of that was supposed to be the first two minutes of introduction. However, um, I want to give you a scripture now, which actually uh, Pastor John, I think, yeah, mentioned this morning. Um, but I got it first. It was in my notes. All right. Um, <laughs> But Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 is a vitally needed scripture right now as you stand ready to birth a whole new era. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Do not remember the former things. Don't even consider the things of old. Behold, I'll do a new thing. Now you, it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I'll even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. But can I venture to say that probably does not mean what you think it does? Okay. So first of all, notice it's a new thing and it's now. So it's a new thing and it's now. So it's not an old thing redone. It's not, it's not a bit more of that. It's a new thing. It's a new thing. It's going to bring changes of thinking. It's a new thing. And it's going to be now. Uh, last night with the young people, I preached on seize the moment. In other words, don't put it off. Don't put it off. There's never going to be a convenient time. You know what I found? I found that uh, uh, to, uh, opportunities to serve God in something miraculous very seldom ever come at convenient times. They come at his time. Okay. What's the objective? Twofold. A road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now, what is he actually saying? Well, a, a road, what's a road? A road is something that takes you to a destination. You, you, you don't wake up one morning and say, you know, I haven't had a hobby for years. I, I got a new hobby. I want to build roads. Uh, someone get me a, a truckload of asphalt and dump it on my front lawn and I'm going to have me a road. You don't do that. The only reason why anybody builds a road is because 
a destination compels them to do so. The first thing is discovering the destination and the road actually speaks in Scripture of the strategy of God to take you to where he's told you to go. And so first he tells you where to go and then he gives you the strategies of heaven that will take you there. He provides the road. All right. Now, Habakkuk 2 verse 2 says, write it down, make it clear that whoever reads it can, can run with it. And it's essential that when God breathes that destination, that objective, that project into your spirit, that is, is written down, the plans are made, the engineers' drawings are drawn up, because everybody that's going to have to invest their life and their finance and their time and their money into that will need to be inspired by that which they can see. But God's giving the strategy. Now, it says that whoever reads it can run with it. It doesn't say walk. It doesn't say jog. It says run with it. What does that mean? There's a thought in there of energy, of deep resolve, of commitment, of passion. And, and, and so I believe all of that's very, very vital. And I wrote something down, which I'll just share you with you right now. Clarity of vision precedes passion. And passion precedes commitment. And commitment precedes pursuit. And without pursuit, you'll never reach the objective. So you, you identify the objective which, and then you resolve that you're going to have to pursue it. But commitment's necessary to pursue it. But you'll never have commitment without the passion. And you'll never have the passion without clarity of vision. And so it's necessary that we make it very, very clear. But what I want you now to see, which I think is particularly prophetically relevant to this church in the next three years, is the fact that where this road is going. Where is this road going? It says that it's going in the wilderness, and that's where I lose a lot of people right there because they have automatically thinks in their mind something to do with Ooh, wilderness. But, but, but the original Hebrew doesn't say anything like that. The original Hebrew is the word midbar, and here's a literal translation. On a vast open field where cattle are driven for grazing, uninhabited land, large tracts of open land and pasture. The word was actually one that was used originally among the Hebrew of someone discovering previously undiscovered pasture tracts of land that were brilliant for the herds to go in and start to graze. There is no thought of dryness whatsoever. It's completely the opposite. And so a road in the wilderness is actually speaking of blazing a trail through vast tracts of previously undiscovered pasture land where there's such an abundance of food that the settlers are then able to come in and establish a colony or a community. The whole thought is discovery, pioneering, possessing, and God's going to put that on the life of this church. Now, I know what they do with prophets whose words don't come to pass. It's really ugly. They stone them in the car park. It's not nice. But I want to say that there's a mark and a distinctive on this church in the decades to come of pioneering and discovering. Pioneering and discovering. And it's going to be new territory, new territory, new territory. And God will give you the strategies to go there. All right. 
rivers in the desert. And this word desert actually means what it says. Uh, it's a desolate place, a lonely and a solitary place. But once again, I want to change your thinking about that. I, I was out of the ministry last year, or 2015 rather, for about 10 months. I preached four times in 10 months. I was in and out of hospital four times. And you say, well, what was good about all of that? Well, my father and I had lots of time together. And doors have opened for me now around the globe that were never considered possible a few years ago. And it's all come out of my time shut away with my father where we spent hours and hours and days and days just talking together and him breathing into me some of his intentions. And I tell you what, friends, my, I, I looked at now at the desert a little differently. Is it, a, is it a dry place? Oh, yeah. Now, I know there's some people right out here who, who t 2016 for you was a dry place. It was a desert place. Well, let me tell you what it was really all about because it was a place of testing. Yes, it was. But let me change your perception of the desert. Moses gets a commission to become the greatest leader the world had ever seen up until that time, but where did he get his commission? In the desert. In the desert. John the Baptist, Jesus said, was the greatest preacher that ever lived and carried the greatest responsibility up until that time and declaring the coming of the Messiah, but where did he do it? In the desert. In the desert. And then Jesus arrives on the planet. A lot of people think that Jesus conquered Satan on the cross, but he didn't. You see, uh, he gained his authority in the wilderness, in the desert. And he executed it on the cross, but he gained it in the desert. You see, he came toe-to-toe, -to -toe, eyeball to eyeball with the prince power of this earth who had ruled the earth legitimately for 4,000 years because he'd been given that authority by Adam, who was the ruler of the planet. And, and so he had ruled the planet for 4,000 years and Jesus came back and he took the planet back. But where did he do it? In the desert. In the desert. And so I've begun to realize that, that that which appears to be a dry or a desolate place, a lonely place at times, that's where God actually has designed it to be where the new commission is born, where the birthing of a new era takes place, the launching of a new ministry that can change the world comes out of what how you respond in your dry place, how you respond in your desert, how you respond in your testing time. And my Bible says that God will cause rivers to flow in the middle of that desert. People couldn't understand that in the middle of what I was going through last year, uh, I would have some of the most wonderful, incredible encounters with God. It was amazing. There was rivers flowing there. Ezekiel 47 says the rivers are, are the presence of God transforming wherever they go. I remember one of these very concerned-looking doctors. I passed out or something. He ended up in the hospital, and, and he's looking over me. He says, are you allergic to anything? I said, yes, negativity. <laughs> um, and I said, could you please get the frown off your face? All right. Um, the... the, the Oh, there's rivers in your desert. Now, I, I really got to work towards the eventual 
Mm, I've got to be honest, don't I? Um, okay, we'll work toward the eventual possibility of a probable close. <laughs> right. Um, some of you thought I wasn't joking. Um, Isaiah, I'm going to close at some stage tonight. Isaiah 55 says this. It's a prophetic promise to you. For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. But listen to this for those of you that have been through a trying time in 2016. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree. And instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. Uh, what does that mean? Well, the thorns, what is a thorn? A thorn bush is what cuts and, and bruises and, and hurts people. And he says instead of that, you're going to find a cypress tree. Uh, and at that time, the cypress tree, and I looked it up, it said the cypress tree at that time was only used for two things, and that was making a lance for battle and musical instruments for worship. And so as you surrender your 2016, that which would have previously caused you pain and hurt at the very thought of it is actually going to produce within you the warrior spirit and a time of worship. You see, if you... If you hold on to it and want justice, it's going to kill you. But if you surrender it to him, it's going to empower you for your future. And instead, it goes on to say, instead of the briar, she'll come up the myrtle tree. Now, you listen to me. Because the briar, what is the briar? Well, a briar is what latches onto a healthy plant and then slowly but definitely strangles it. And that's what discouragement does to people. But my Bible says that if you surrender that discouragement to him, if you surrender it to him, he'll turn it into a myrtle tree. And I said, well, what's the, what's the myrtle tree? And as quick as a flash, the Lord said, the word in the Hebrew for myrtle is hadassah. And hadassah in the Hebrew can be legitimately translated into two different words and was commonly translated into two different words. One was myrtle and the other was Esther. And suddenly I realized what the Lord was saying because who was Esther? Or, or Esther was a person that was the right person in the right place at the right time and changed history. And so my God was saying to me right there and then, that which in the past, the very thought of it would cripple you or discourage you or cause you to wonder why God, why, why did it have to happen? If you can take that to the cross, if you can give it to your father and leave it there. He will take that very incident. He'll take those events and something will happen on the inside of you and a new person will be born. And you're, I want to give you a prophetic word of the Lord tonight and that is this. You are never ever to doubt it one more moment and that is this. You are the right person in the right place at the right time. You don't have to wish you were somebody else. You don't have to wish you were somewhere else or somebody else. You're the right person in the right place at the right time and finally finally I just want to read this to you Song of Solomon 2 10 to 3 10 to 13 my beloved Lord Jesus Christ my beloved spoke and said to me rise up my love my fair one and come away come away 
For lo, the winter is past. The rain's over. It's gone. The flowers appear on the earth and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree puts forth her green figs and the vines with the tender grapes giving a good smell. Hey, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Four things very quickly. Number one, the winter is over. Springtime has come. You've entered a new season, a new era now. It's not just a new year for you. It's a whole new era. The limitations of yesterday are no more. The discouragements of yesterday are no more. The winter is over. And it says the voice of the turtle dove is now heard again in the land. And from Genesis to Revelation, the turtle dove is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And, and he's saying here that if you can leave yesterday behind you, if you can remember not the former things, but, but leave them behind you, you're going to find something. As you come into intimacy with your father and you walk in the garden, the voice of the turtle dove will be heard. What do I mean? I mean Holy Spirit will begin to Breathe into you the whispers of heaven and my God's voice will be ringing inside of you. I tell you what, there is a, this is a time to be listening. This is a time to be listening because there's some fresh things out of heaven coming out. In the next few months, I, I would guarantee this, the next few months there are going to be some mind-boggling strategies from heaven that come just whispered into the one that's listening. And so springtime's over. The turtle dove's voice in the land. The fig tree, what's that? The source of sustenance, provision, strength is bursting with new fruit. Tender new grapes give off a sweet-smelling aroma. What's that? That's the Holy Spirit. That's the anointing and grace of the Holy Spirit bringing freshness and fragrance into people's lives who have been previously battle-weary and spiritually fatigued. And what is the key to it all? Come away. Come away. Come away from yesterday. That's number one. Number two, come away with Father in the garden. How many would go out of here tonight with great resolve and intentionality? Plan in your diary to have some father times, to have times where you position yourself to worship and listen. Now, I do have to close, but... One of the young men asked me a question yesterday, the day before. He asked about guidance. And he says, well, how do I know if it's God or not? How do you get guidance? Well, let me give you what I've used for 50 years, and I don't know that it's ever let me down. And that's Psalm 37, 4 and 5, which is always, always, always misquoted. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Friends, let me tell you, it doesn't mean whatever you desire, God's going to give you. That's not the way it's written. In the Hebrew, it's written like this. As I close, please get it in your spirit. The word delight is the Hebrew word ornag. It means to bubble over. To bubble over with the simplicity of a child. That's what the literal translation, to bubble over the simplicity of a child. And it says, when you're in your father's presence, 
bubbling over with the simplicity of a child. You're not praying. You're not petitioning. You've got no list. It's bubbling over time. Just loving up on Father. He says, when you're like that, he says, he will give you the desires of your heart. The word give, northan in the Hebrew, it means to take out from one and bestow into another. And then the word desires of your heart. The word desire is mishalor in the Hebrew, and it means a sudden a realization or awakening that you then verbalize. So what's he actually saying? He's saying that, that when you're walking up amongst the gum trees with a, the ruse and, and all I'm doing is, Father, I love you so much. Lord, I, Lord, look what you did with that. That's awesome. I'm so grateful for what you did with so-and-so. Lord, you are indescribable. I love you so much, my Father, that in my the womb of my spirit is so wide open, so unconditional, so 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 vulnerable and and father just takes one of the desires he has for me and he puts it in my heart and suddenly I become aware of it and I verbalize it back to him and the next verse says now if you commit that way unto him he will most surely bring it to pass why because he authored in the first place friends what is the surest way to get good guidance and the strategies of heaven be a worshiper be a worshiper. Be a worshiper. Fall in love again with the Father who loves you. Let's pray just for a moment. Father, I pray that tonight, Lord, it's been a smorgasbord all over the place. But, Father, I pray that your heart be your intention. Father, will have been breathed into every heart in this place. Father, I just so feel within me the pregnancy of this church about to give birth to a new era that will not only impact this city, but this nation and other nations in the years that lie ahead. Father, I pray that everyone here will experience the whispers of heaven, will experience those intimate, wonderful times together with you as son and daughter and father just walk together. Father, I ask, Lord, that as I hand this service over now, that deep in every heart in this place, there will be this great hunger to know you intimately, to hear you clearly, and to obey you boldly. Father, I thank you for this church and its leadership. Lord, as they embrace the new era that is now upon them, Father, I pray, oh, protect them, protect their leadership. Lord, let their love for each other ever grow strong. Lord, let it be an indestructible force. And Lord, my God, that every demonic opposition will come to nothing because of the power of their love and their unity together. We declare your favor over them, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more content, head to our website, davidmccracken.org.